To all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm going to call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're going to love the exhausted educator. <laughs> What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping into the Exhausted Educator Show. I'm super happy you're here. It's not just so that you can listen to or view this short, bald dude. It's actually because we have a really dynamic guest. He's a big-time guest, and you'll see what I mean by that in a few minutes. He's going to talk about how you can work together with the home and the school to create a real team atmosphere, almost like... A team atmosphere so you could get a win. That was pretty bad, even by my standards. Sorry, people. However, I will say this. He's not bad. He's awesome, right? You're going to love listening to his ideas. He brings in so much of his personal experience, and his story is just unbelievable. And he brings that to the table to pull in and relate to parents and it creates a better connection and a better team between the home, the school, and it's all for the students. So that's coming up. Stay tuned for that. If you're new, or in case you don't know, you can hook up with us at Exhaust Educator on all the socials. We'd love to connect with you. You can also you know, drop, drop us some comments in YouTube down in the comments section. Whatever you would like to do, we'd love to hear from you. At Exhaust Educator, think of exhaust without the E at the beginning, but like to let off steam, almost like your instant pot, right? Like there's a little button up top you can hit or you can just kind of let it go out. Be careful. Don't burn yourself. I've done that. But it lets off the steam, right? Like we need to do in Education Land a lot. So stay tuned. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode today. Here's the rundown for this episode. So as I said, we're going to dive into an interview all about building that connection between home and school. It is not going to be your typical kind of, you know, what you can do to get parents involved talk. It is entirely different. Then we're going to move to party time. And in case you're new, party time is usually where I tell some bizarre story that usually, it usually has to do with where I messed up or something I screwed up and how it relates back to your classroom in some odd, weird way. Today... It's all about cleaning out that earwax so we can be better listeners. If you're a dude, in case you missed the memo, we all need to improve on our listening skills, so maybe you should clean out the earwax. Stay tuned for that. But let's talk about our amazing guest. He's big time because he's the host of the Big Ed Idea Podcast, where he brings in guests that talk about big ideas in education. But the most important thing about this discussion today is how he uses his incredible journey and going through so many struggles to get to where he's at now and how he uses that to connect with with parents and build a team atmosphere at the schools. It's unbelievable. He is an assistant principal at Webster County High School in Henderson, Kentucky. He's also the co-host of the AP Roundtable, and he just does amazing things, and his story will blow you away as it has mine. He's slowly become one of my favorite podcasters. I love his show. You should check it out, too. I think you probably want to after you hear the discussion we have. I will give this disclaimer, just a, a parent warning, that although there's no, nothing you know horrendous in this discussion, it does dive into a couple deep things talking about his darker times in his life. So if you've got real young kids, and I know some of you moms have have told me already, you like to listen to this in the car, this might not be the part you want to. You probably want to listen to this on your own, especially if you have real young kids. But you're going to love listening to this guy. He's going to give you some extra juice to help build those parent-school relationships, which are so important. So ladies and gentlemen, 
I know you're going to love this big-time guest. Here is Mr. Ryan Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, you wanted a big-time guest, so we went out and got the host of the Big Ed Idea Podcast. We have Ryan Scott on with us in the exhausted house. Ryan, happy to have you on, man. Man, um, so you you said big time. Um, <laughs> do you realize, like, I'm literally only five foot five. That's two of so us. I, so I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm big time, um, but I appreciate that. You know what? You, you don't have to be. You don't have to be tall to be big time, man. Or at least that's what I've always thought. As as also someone who's five foot five, you know. That's right. So. That's right. Um, dynamite comes in small packages. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. So no, I know so. There you go. There you go. So I am super excited to have you on. I have loved listening to your podcast. Um, it's been interesting. You're so open about everything, your experiences, and everything you've gone through, and how things relate to what you're doing now and learning from your experiences. It is uh, inspiring, to be honest with I you. And I, I really enjoy listening to your podcast and everything that dives into it. So a couple weeks ago, well, a few weeks back, I was listening to your episode on another podcast, Guiding Principles, and you were talking uh-huh. a little bit about working with parents. And I want to dive into a little bit of that. Um, but before we get to all that, right, I, I, I just want to give you a chance to first tell the, tell the listeners all about your, your podcast, because I think it's probably right up the route. If they're listening to me about some of the you know, the stories I tell and things like that, I think they're going to connect really well with, with what you've got going on too. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So as many of you that are listening, um, COVID, um, ep- the pandemic, um, the spring of 2019 and then the summer that listen, that time really sucked. Um, I, I you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to mince words. Um, I kind of lost my direction as an administrator, Um, I'm the administrator that tries to um, learn every single student's name. So that's 700 kids. I try to learn every single kid's name at my high school. Um, I check in with as many kids as I can every day. Um, I'm super, super student-centered. So guess what? When there were no students in the building, um, I'll be honest, I was lost. Like, like, and, and, And I mean that. I was completely lost. I didn't know what my purpose was. Because, yes, my teachers are important. Yes, I love my teachers. But at the end of the day, I'm there for my kids. Um, And so when kids weren't in the building, I was really conflicted about where, you know, where I needed to go with my um, passions and with, you know, my um, work and and all of that stuff. And so I actually I stumbled. And for any guys out there, um, I stumbled across across this Facebook um, group and they are called Men and Ed. And there is a Facebook group called Men in Ed and my very good buddy, Hal Bowman. If you don't know Hal Bowman, um, he puts on the amazing education um, PD called Teach Like a Rockstar. Um, I met Hal pro- well, probably 10 years ago. Um, but during the pandemic, he reached out to me because he was putting this group together with the idea that he needed to, he wanted, he felt led to connect guys in education because um, guys are few and far between in education and guys just need a brotherhood to talk about education. And so he connected that in the, I want to say the very early days of the pandemic. And through that, I formed some amazing relationships. And then in the fall of 2019, um, he put on this little, um, we did a, like a, like a zoom call or something. And he was talking about how to do a podcast. And, it, and, and again, at this time I'm thinking, you know, what's my direction? What am I going to do with myself? I'm like kind of bored because I'm kind of the guy that checks in on all my kids and I know where all my kids are. And I, if a kid's having a rough day, I pull him into my office. We have a conversation. We send them back out. Um, I'm checking on kids grades. Um, so I'm like, uh, oh, podcast sounds cool. And so through that, I came up th- with this radical idea that I was going to start a podcast. Um, but not only that, I was going to drop my first episode on my 40th birthday. Um, 
just as a like a oh cool it's your 40th birthday let's do something and so i got this idea together um i was really toying with a couple ideas i reached out to a couple friends they helped me kind to kind of um to hone in on the direction i wanted to do for the podcast i actually reached out to a former parent um, of when I was a elementary principal and she designed the logo for me. Um, she actually designed a huge mural that went in the elementary school when I got the job, um, when I was at that job. And so I knew she did some pretty, you know, rad work. And so she designed this thing for me and then we just took off and, um, I had the, uh, maybe the words audacity to just reach out to like anybody and everybody in the edges sphere that I thought was kind of, you know, they had something to say that I agreed with. Um, and so I learned all this podcast stuff and I really just kind of, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in the 1% daily. And so with every episode, I've tried to improve it 1%. Um, and here we are um, actually s this Saturday, which I know this is going to air a little bit differently, but this Saturday we are airing my man crush um, Hamish Brewer, um, who I had the absolute pleasure of hearing at our state administrative and here in Kentucky, um, administrative conference. It was, it was actually the summer of 2020. Um, when everything else was shut down, we decided to do this conference and this guy comes, um, if you don't know Hamish, he is a principal in Virginia. He skateboards through the hallways wears a flat build, uh, flat brimmed hat. He's very, um, these are my kids. I'm going to do what I got to do to get my kids forward. I don't care what you say. Um, he wrote a book, amazing book called relentless. If you haven't read it and you need to check it out. Um, and this guy came and he effectively said, do whatever you got to do for your kids. Don't worry about what people think about you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Okay, so all of these state, like state administrators in our state conference, wearing these tight jackets with these tight ties, kind of snooty-ish. If they believe in this guy, then it's okay for me to be, you know, me. And so um, he really gave me the license. And so I, I'm, I'm super excited to air that episode. It episodes in a couple of weeks. Um, I have, I have interviewed. Um, a young lady that works for NASA. Uh, her name is Morgan Cable, and we talk a lot about girls in STEM. I had the pleasure of, of interviewing uh, Marin Morris, who is a seven-year-old from Montana. Um, she told me about her idea school um, because I really wanted to give a space on the Big Ed idea for all of those ideas that all of you out there have. Um, but let's be honest, some of us have worked in buildings where that's not always accepted. Um, where it's the, you know, administrator, they are the ones with the ideas. Who are you, the lowly teacher, you know? Um, and so you talk about these ideas around the copier, around the water cooler. And when you see an administrator coming, you, you're shutting, you're, you shut up because you don't want them to hear these ideas. Well, I wanted an open space for you to dream big, talk about these big ideas. Um, because in my mind, at the end of the day, the world only changes through big ideas. And so um, real quick, anybody out there, um, I know you got ideas to move this, to move our profession forward. I know you got ideas to change the world. Um, so, so if you're interested in being in the big ed idea and you're listening to this episode, reach out to me because I would love to have you on board. Awesome. Awesome. And I got to tell you, I love the that fact was a long winded answer. That's good, man. It's all good. It's all good. It was good. <laughs> good stuff. You know, I, I just love the fact that you spend the first chunk talking about connections. And I, I've heard you say it over and over and again in a lot of your episodes, you know, connections before content, which makes so much sense. Like the you can't understate the importance of relationships that you build and you model that. And I've even heard you say that, like modeling what, you know, making connections are in your podcast, which I think I really appreciate. So you know, I've I've said this before on my podcast and Kyle, I know you've listened, but for anybody out there, like at the the most fundamental element of, of, of the universe, electrons, protons, neutrons, it's about connections. So those electrons, like I'm not a science guy. So if anybody's out there that's a science guy and I screw this up, I apologize. <laughs> but 
the 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 electrons and the protons you know they're 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 circulating they're revolving around this thing because of the connection because of the force and and we forget we we forget that we are a social animal that at the end of the day we are all animals and we were put to be social creatures and we don't do well in isolation and when you try to do well in isolation it's never good yeah. so my thinking is um, and again, if I, if I take anybody off out there, I don't care about science, social studies, reading, math. I don't care about that stuff. I, I don't. Um, I, I was a reading teacher for a long time. So, yes, I love to teach kids to read. Um, yes, I like math. But at the end of the day, I did not become a teacher because of the content. I became a teacher because of the kids. And I became a teacher because of those five-minute conversations you can have with a kid that they will remember in 30 years. Not the um, amazing strategy you taught them to solve a um, multi-step um, problem. Right, right. I, I appreciate just a variety of the things that you, you are putting out and con- the content you're providing. And, and just your openness is refreshing to me. You know, how open, you know, this is who you are. There's no, no use just hiding it. This is, this is what I believe and you're out there. And I, I appreciate that. I think it's refreshing. So speaking of that, could you maybe dive a little bit into your educational journey as far as where you've been to where you're at now? Because that yeah. probably will lead us into discussions about, you know, working with parents, which is where we're headed. Sure. sure. Yeah. So um, for all intents and purposes, I sh- probably should not be here, um, should not be where I'm at. Definitely. Oh, God, definitely should not be a school administrator. Um, and actually, I was telling Kyle before we um, hit the record button. Um Today, I had the pleasure of teaching seniors and junior English classes at my high school. Um, The teacher asked me to come in and talk about um, SEL and talk about coping strategies because the kids were asking about it. Um, The English 4 class is very much a life class. They've really changed it to where um, these kids that are getting ready to go off into the real world, we're trying to teach them some stuff they should have learned, but they never did. Um, and so the kids were asking this stuff. And so I was very honest about myself. Um, so, so here's the deal. I should not be where I'm at. Um, when I was a kid, uh, got into drugs, eighth grade, um, did a lot of dumb stuff through high school, um, had severe depression, junior and senior year in high school. Um, I was the kid cutting myself. I was the kid that was contemplating suicide all the time. I was the kid as a senior that was hiding bottles of vodka in my um, house, in my room. My parents wondered why I was in my room, why I was drinking a lot of orange juice. Um, And for all intents and purposes, I shouldn't have been that way. I came from a very good home. Um, But looking back, it was because of the drugs. It was because of that stuff that I was feeling so bad. Um, So I say that um, because fast forward about four or five years of me still doing all of that dumb stuff. Um, the best accident that ever happened, um, happened to me. And, um, for a, for a while I would tell my students that, that this was a happy accident, but, uh, or, a ha- or the best mistake I ever made. But one of my students corrected me one day and she, and she said, you can't call that an act, a, a mistake. And what I'm talking about is, uh, at 22, I became a dad or I found out I was going to be a dad um, very unexpectedly, was not planning it, did not want to be a dad. Um, but um, as God does, sometimes he slows you down in your tracks. Um, and I quickly learned that life was not all about me. And so at 23, I became a dad and it was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me because it slowed me down. It made me to adjust my priorities. Um I started to think about, okay, here I am 23 with no degree. Everybody else in my family is either college educated or they're in the union. Um, I didn't want to do manual labor. And so I'm like, okay, well, what do I like to do? Um, I knew I liked kids. Um, I knew I had a good learning experience. And to be honest, everybody out there, I knew that teachers had the summers off. (laughs) Um, And I laugh about that. And um, I laugh about it, but it's true. Like, I knew teaching was a great job for a dad. And so I signed up at the community college. They had a program through Murray State University. 
And um, so that's what I did. I got into education. Um, my first um, classroom that I sat in, I was hooked. Um, again, it was all, it was always the connections. Um, and I will always say this, like I was not the guy that wrote wonderful lesson plans. Um, there were many, many, many days where I had an idea what I wanted to teach about and I just went with it. Um, and it connected somehow to some standard. Um, but I was more interested in teaching the kid and not teaching the standard. Um, and, and I would say I was pretty good at that just because of the connection piece. Um, still to this day, my kids that I've all that, that I had in my class know that Mr. Scott loves them. You know, they, they remember when Mr. Scott had Monty Python, the boat, the ball Python, um, in my classroom. And, and I would teach with the snake crawling up my arm and, um, you know, I had all the kids sign a waiver. So in, just in case, um, yeah, we would feed the, the snake. Uh, yeah, I know we would feed the snake, uh, mice, live mice and i would play the requiem march and we would march the mice in and drop it in the thing and yeah i know it's a little like like yeah it's a little bit much but um it works and so that's how i got into education clearly um and definitely it was a and i say this it was a god thing um it was definitely a god thing um and that kind of drives the way that i interact with my parents and my students. So you all, what I've gathered from listening to you before is that you're just so open about your experiences and you have taken that and kind of turned that into a, an approach, your honesty with parents and knowing that, you know, kids come from all kinds of backgrounds, right? And so life as a parent is not always easy. And so- oh, gosh. You know, there's you and I are parents, but there's so many parents out there who aren't nearly as fortunate as we are and just have plenty of trials and tribulations. And so for them to be able to be fully invested in a school can be challenging sometimes. And maybe they just don't have the time on their plate. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. To step into a school with, you know, all these people, you know, they, in many, many cases, they may feel like the, the, the spotlight's on them and they're just not comfortable with it. So I, before we move further, just tell us a little bit about your approach when you're working with parents, because I think it's pretty okay. unique. Okay. So um, I, I never want to, I never want to minimize the fact that if, if I hadn't had that happy accident, I would probably be just like some of my parents, um, that are living in, you know, not the best situations, um, probably with very high A scores, um, probably with quite a bit of trauma. Um, I never want to negate that. And, um, and so when I have parents come in, I'm very intentional about just being me. Um, I think sometimes in education, we come off elitist. Um, I think, I think, um, because we have a degree or two degrees or three degrees that we think we know more about the kid that we think what's best for kids. You know, um, I'll tell you some of the best conversations I've had with parents is when it starts off with the parent cussing me out. And by the end of the time we are hugging and the, and the mama is crying. Um, and, and I always tell the parents, I would rather you come up here and cuss me out because that tells me you care about your kid then the ones that I'm trying to call and I call seven different contacts in this kid's thing. And I can't get a hold of anybody and nobody will return my phone call or I take the kid home because nobody came to pick him up and nobody's there. So I would much rather a parent come up to the school. Like I said, cuss me up and down because I can take it, but because I know they're doing that because they love their child. And at the end of the day, um, I could have been them. I should have been them. I'm not them. So then I need to treat them with love and respect, just like I treat their kids. Um, just like when a kid comes into my office and they're um, having a meltdown, it's not because of me. And, and if I take the time to listen and to dig down, there is an underlying root. There is an underlying cause. Um, and I'm a very firm believer that this is a servant-driven job. Um, very, very, very firm believer. We are here to serve our people and part of our people is our parents. And so if a parent comes in, my job is, 
And every time I talk to a parent, do you have food? Do you have water? Do you have electricity? Do you have anything that, you know, you have any issues? And, and as a school, we try to find community resources to help out um, because I want these people to know that, that it's not me like set up above them. Like it's very much very, in, in my opinion. Now I, I've had the alternate in my opinion, we're on the same team. We're on the same level playing field. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that answered your question. It does. It does. And it, it kind of leads me where I was hoping to go in that, you know, obviously what we've been going through over the last however many months now has been ultra challenging and emotion, you know, emotions are ridiculously high. I mean, you have frustration and anger across the board. And sometimes from a parent's standpoint, things aren't going well, whether it's, you know, vaccines or mask debates or whether it's, you know, grades aren't what they're hoping their kids get or whether they're worried about the communication with home, whatever the reason. Sometimes we just have parents who walk in the door and might not, they just might not be happy. Um, sure. So you kind of hit on it a little bit, but what's your approach on like okay. working with parents who just, you know, they might not necessarily be in, in the best place as far as, you know, okay. th- what they're bringing in the door. Okay. So, um, I'll be honest. Like, uh, I try to first off, I do a ton of positive phone calls. Um, I send out a Google form pretty much every week. And I use a, um, I created a random name generator for every class every grade. And so I picked two random kids. I send it out to my staff. I asked them to give me positives about these kids. And I call actually on top of that, I have the kids come in. The kids sit in my office. I pick up this phone. We do speaker phone. So I call the parents and I say, Hey, you know, um, Danielle is here. And I want you to know what your teachers are saying about your daughter. And I try to do that intentionally every week for at least 10 kids because the first conversation or the first thing that these parents interaction, these kids, these parents have, um, I want it to be a positive. Um, cause I think if it's positive at the beginning, it makes it way easier, especially if I have a relationship with these parents. Um, and another thing that I do, I do car rider duty every single day, uh, morning and afternoon. Um, there are mornings that I'm dressed up in just ridiculous costumes to welcome the, the people back. And I'm always interacting with the parents. I wave at them every day. I, I you know, I talking to them every day. Um, and so I, I try to really form a relationship with my parents, um, a positive relationship. Um, so when the problem arises, I can call home and say, and this is exactly what I say, mom, mama, dad, listen, Johnny was an idiot today. And, and, and I'm just like that. They don't want somebody, at least in my opinion, they don't want somebody calling saying, oh, yes, Mr. Uh, Mr. Scott, um, Johnny, um, he defied, he, he broke code 2.11 today. Um, he was vaping in the school. No, they don't want that. They want people to talk to them on their level. Like real um, people. Like real people. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what it's like out there in Dover, Delaware, but we've got this thing called like, like craft banking, um, like, uh, craft insurance. And it's all around that the business gets to know their people and that the business forms a relationship with their people. And guess what? When they do that, the people are more apt if the, if the business screws up, which we do. They're more apt to say, oh, it's okay. I know Mr. Scott's heart. I know he didn't really mean that, you know? You so were, I, I, that's kind of my thing. You're speaking my language, man. I can't tell you how many times I've said this when working with especially new teachers. So a lot of what I do, um, as I, I told you in the, the pre-show, I got a lot of different hats. And one of the things, I'm a lead mentor, help out all, a lot of our new teachers, especially the ones in special education in our school district. And I tell them right from the jump, you're going to have more success with your parents building a collective team approach if you're out ahead of it and you're connecting them with them in a positive way because just in general, you want your, your parents, if the first phone call that they get 
is exactly what you're saying. It's not positive. It's negative. And -and so-and-so is doing this. Your child, I want to tell you, your child is doing this. Who as a parent wants to hear that from somebody they don't even know, right? However, if you can start off in a positive way, whatever that looks like working with the students, in your case, you're calling multiple students. I always say when I'm working with trying to help paras or teachers work with students with behavioral challenges is that I want to make sure that that parent knows that I care deeply about their kid. And so if down the line I call you and say, hey, I just want you to know Johnny's had, he didn't have a great day today. And here's some of the things that we're working on that they're going to know exactly what you're saying. They're going to know that they're going to trust you. It's in, yeah, it's a, it's a trusting relationship and you're giving that information from a place of caring, not from a place of your, your kids driving me nuts. Right. And there's a big difference. And I would say this, man, it's coming from a place of love. Yeah. Yeah. And we shouldn't be afraid. Like, uh, like one thing I've learned, like I'm not afraid to tell my high school kids, I love them. It's good stuff. Now, I might not say, I love you, but I'll say, man, I love you. Yep. Man, love you. Have a wonderful day. You know? Yep. They need to hear that. Yeah. They need to hear that it's okay to say that. Yeah. Yep. You know? I, so, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but let me let me kind of wrap this up on, on a, a, a closing question with you then. So, we talked about, you know, working with the parents. You have any just overarching ideas on how to continue to build that team with the parents, and then also maybe how you get them more engaged in the school process. Well, number one, I think any decision you make has to involve the parent. Any decision. Um, And I also mean, well, so one thing I try to really keep in mind at the forefront is that everybody wants to feel valued, seen, and heard. And the more that we can you know, with the students, the more that I can show my students that I value them, the more I can show them that I see them. And that's why I learn all their names. The more I can, the more I can get them heard. That's why I have conversations with kids. Um, But the same thing can happen to parents. You know, you show parents that you value them. How do you show parents you value them? By picking up the dang phone. Okay. We live in a society where it's way easier to to text somebody and, and, and for any of my folks out there that are younger, um, listen, I'm gonna sound like an old man. Um, pick up the phone. <laughs> Don't be afraid to pick up your phone and call a parent and, and for nothing else. You doing okay. You got any questions for me? I was just checking, you know, um, just seeing, you know, I haven't talked to you or, you know, I just, just have a question. I'm not really actually calling for any reason other than just to check in with you. Don't be afraid to do that. We need connection. So how can you show them that they're seen? Use their name when you call them. Call them by their first name. Look it up. Um, I know everybody here has got, or everybody I'm listening to has probably got a uh, student information system. Look it up. Listen. What is the parent's first name? Use their first name. Don't say Mr. or Miss. Just use their first name. Like, yes, I am Mr. Scott, but no, I'm not. I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan Scott. It's way more personal. Yeah, it makes you a little more relatable for sure. Absolutely. Um, and then and then valued. So valued, seen, and heard. So what's another way? Send out surveys to your parents. So if you've got an idea for your class that you'd like to implement, send it out to your parents. What do you think about this? Even if you decide not to go with what those, those folks think they still know that you're asking for their opinion. And I'll tell you what, if you do decide to go with what they say, you've just won like the lottery. (laughs) Okay. Because, um, again, at the end of the day, everybody wants to feel valued, seen and heard. Um, and, and let's really, 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 really be honest. And, and this is something I've really had to grapple with and toy with. Who's really raising our kids? Who, who is really raising our kids? If we really think about it, okay, I'm at work every day from, I leave the house at five o'clock in the morning before my kids are awake. I pick them up at normally between four to 4.30. That's if I leave on time. 
then they go to bed by eight o'clock every night. When I get home, we've got, I, I cook dinner every night and then I have the girls with their homework and then they have baths and then we have to do bedtime. So really who is spending the majority of our time with our, with our really, really with our kids. It's happening. It's not schools. us. It's yeah. not us. It really isn't. And yeah. so we have got to create a relationship where the parents know that you are all in for their kid. And once they know that you are all in for their kid, big difference. You can ask for money for pizza parties <laughs> till the cows come home. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, Ryan, man. I, I so appreciate you, man. I appreciate all of your work. And I really, I, I, as I said to you before, I just, I love the fact that your podcast is different. It's, all about connecting with people and all about you know being honest and open and sharing you know things that you're vulnerable in and connecting you know on a personal level with whoever you bring on but also allowing them to to venture down those roads and everybody who I've listened to on your podcast which is slowly becoming one of my favorites to be honest with you is is there's something about the way you talk with them that it pulls it out of them too everybody's very open and honest when they come on and talk about their amazing ideas so I appreciate you spending yep. a little bit of time with us and letting the listeners, you know, hear your greatness. And I'm sure that you'll pick up at least a couple uh, listeners or viewers, um, you know, through this process. At least I hope I hope so. If they want to connect with you on social media, where can they get you at? Okay, so um, probably the so the probably the easiest way. Um, you know, I did some research the other day, and uh, the majority of folks on social media um, are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, now Twitter is, is very much used for the education space. Um, but outside of the education space, there's, there's really not a lot of folks that are using Twitter anymore. Um, but you can find me on Twitter. Um, I am Ryan C Scott, 1981. Um, you can also search the big Ed idea podcast. I'm on there. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Ryan Scott. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's Ryan Scott, 1981. Um, yeah. Follow me. Like, let's talk. Um, I'll tell you, you guys, I've got this crazy idea for a book that's floating around in my head. Um, but it's not one that I write. It's one that you write. Um, and, and I'll tell you kind of the, 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 the synopsis of it. Um, I'm a firm believer that every single day, God gives you a God wink. Um, that every day, if you pay attention, there are signs that tell you you're doing the right thing. There are signs that tell you you're in the right place. But, but here's the problem. You got to look for them. Okay. And so what I want are some folks out there in the edges fear, or maybe you're not even in education. Maybe you, you just get a God wink that tells you you're in the right place. Like you're doing the right thing at the right time. Um, what I'm wanting is like, you know, a hundred to 500 words describing that God wink. And I want to make a book of that, of those kind of like a, you know, when I was, I'm old now, but when we were younger, chicken soup for the soul, you know, something like that. Um, so if anybody out there, um, you got a God wink, you want to share, you want to write something up, send it to me. Um, if you want to be on the big ed idea podcast, if you've got this crazy idea that you want to talk about, um, maybe, maybe somebody in the, um, teacher lounge is like, dude, that will never work. Whatever. <laughs> Bring it to the big ed idea podcast. We will talk about it. Um, but, but also at the end of the day, anybody that's let that's out there listening, I, there, there's a couple things I want you to know. You are literally changing lives. Um, we are in that profession that is hard every single day, but it's worth it. We are in that profession that 10, 20, 30 years down the line where, when we're long and gone, and, and kids are sitting around at their 20th graduation reunion, 30th graduation reunion, your name is going to pop up. And there's going to be this slew of people that start talking about you and start talking about those things that you did in class and about, you know, the quirkiness of you or, or just how amazing you were. And, and I'm probably, I, I'm, I would dare say it has nothing to do with the content. I would dare say it has nothing to do with the way that you taught algebra. Um, it probably had everything you did, everything to do about how you taught kids. So keep doing what you do. Don't forget um, that at one time, 
the community, two highest people in the communities were teachers and priests. And we've gotten away from that. We need to get back to that. But realize you are amazing. And if you want to be on the Big Ed Idea, please, please, please reach out to me. Let's connect. Um, If you're in my area, let's go out. Let's have a beer. (laughs) Powerful stuff, man. I love the fact that, (laughs) you know, yeah, have have a beer. It's a powerful stuff. But in general, your your messages are always powerful and you're just very inspiring. I so appreciate Ryan and I'm sure our listeners do, too. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to connecting with you some more. And again, feel free to connect with this guy. He means what he's saying. He's not just throwing out any, you know, anything. And uh, he, he's honestly backing things up that come out of his mouth. So you know, reach out That's to exactly him and, right. and uh, you know, connect with him and, and you know, do, do what you need to. You got any ideas, he, he'll pull you in. So thanks again, Ryan. Appreciate your time. Have a good one. Thank you, buddy. In this edition of Party Time, I want to tell you why it's so important to clean out that earwax. I'm not really talking about literally earwax, I'm talking about being a good listener. In today's day and age, there are plenty of opinions to go around. That is not going to shock you, probably. And plenty of people will tell you all about the opinions they have, including parents. Sometimes parents may even, in some cases share their frustrations with you. And that can be hard to take and hard to sit back and listen. However, sometimes, as long as it's not over the top, it can be important to sit back and hear what they have to say, develop a little bit better understanding of where they're, where they're coming from or what they're going through. As you could hear in uh, Ryan's case, he's pretty good at just talking with parents and building that connection. Well, I want to take you back in time a little bit and share some stories some experiences, I'll say, with you in this edition of Party Time. Uh, But it's not in the classroom. It was experiences I had as a soccer coach. So my second job when I was in the classroom was also to be a soccer coach. Most of those years were at the high school as a varsity soccer coach, and I loved it. In Delaware, you got to coach girls in the spring, boys in the fall, and I just loved it. You know, and I did it, and the only reason I stopped was because, you know, having kids makes you reprioritize yourself, refocus what your priorities need to be, and I just realized there was no way I was going to be the father I wanted to be and also the teacher I wanted to be if I was going to if I was going to coach. It just wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to find I wasn't going to be able to find a balance in all of it. So I had to give it up especially when we had twins. Like, that that changes your life real fast. But this isn't a story about coaching high school. Actually, you know, I've coached other levels too. I even coached kinder kickers. This is not where I was going with this, but since I'm talking about it, give me a second to go off the rails. If, if you ever get the opportunity to coach kinder, like five-year-olds or four-year-olds in soccer or any other sport, because I did t-ball too. It was very similar experiences, different sport. Oh, it can be an experience in a great way. You know, I coached five-year-olds and it ended up being indoor soccer. I wasn't supposed to be the coach, but the coach realized I had a pretty good background in in coaching, and he stepped aside. He said I did. He didn't want to do it in the first place. His wife made him do it, <laughs> so I stepped in and did it. And one of the experiences I had in that season was helping a young man who was getting tangled in the net, and I picked him up in the net. Now, mind you, I also had to do. It was indoor soccer, so I also had to like ref too. Like I run up and down the floor with the kids as they would as they were playing, and the team went down the other end of the court and I'm helping this kid get out of the, get out of the net. Well, he thought he, I pulled him out of the net and he looked up at me and had this really large grin on his face. And I thought, boy, that's a mischievous kind of look. And he clamped his arms around my neck and he wouldn't let go. So knowing that the rest of the crew was down, down the court, I was left with a decision. What do I do? Well, I had to run down the court with this kid hanging from my neck. 
He loved every minute of it. It was like he was riding a bull, right? Except instead he was riding my, he was, he was clanking on, clamping onto my neck. Well, that was one experience. He did eventually come off and went on, we went on to play the rest of the game. That was one experience at the youth level, at kinder kicker level. I actually started, however, as I get back on the rails now, I actually started as a middle school soccer coach. I coached girls middle school. I started a program for a middle school, a middle school in our district. It was an awesome experience and had so much fun. They were a wonderful group. But what you learn as a coach, specifically as a coach in a sport where parents pay a lot of money, maybe for club ball, is that they have certain expectations that they they have for their kid. And if you get in the way of some of those expectations, they might let you know about it. So I've got plenty of experiences listening to parents tell myself and the coaching staff what they thought about certain things. In one specific case, I had a parent tell me exactly why her daughter should should be starting and should be playing more. Now, I tried to do my part. It was middle school. I got all of the girls playing time. But when you have 28 girls, there's only 11 spots on a field. You can't start everybody all the time. It's not, you know, complicated math, right? You've always got some on the bench. But I wasn't about winning, although winning's fun, especially at that level. It's about getting everybody some playing time and trying to develop players. And hopefully they fall in love with the game and who knows, maybe they keep it going. Well, this parent was very aggressive with how she told me um, that her daughter deserved to have playing time. I'm not saying over the top. She wasn't you know, outwardly disrespectful to me. She was just very passionate. I think that's the word I'm looking for. She was passionate about her opinion and her stance on this. Now, being a parent now who's watched his kids play. I do not have any kids who play soccer, which is kind of odd. Well, all the time I put in for it, I'm 0 for 3 on kids who play soccer. But in reality, that's fine. They got they're they're driving their own their own bus to wherever they're going. But I've sat on sidelines of certain sports and certain certain sporting events and what I've noticed is I get it now. As a parent, you watch your kid you watch your kid. It's like blinders. You know, they put blinders on horses so you can't and races so they can't see what's happening next to them sometimes. It's kind of like that. You don't see the other players. So it's almost, it feels impossible for a parent to be able to refocus and understand your point of view sometimes. So in this particular case, that was probably it. She wasn't really thinking in terms of, you know, there's other players who may even be a little bit better than her daughter, or just deserve to have more opportunities to start too, as I tried to rotate through. She was very passionate about what she was telling me. And what I realized is I just sat there, I was very new, you know, this was my second year teaching, my second year coaching, and I just let her talk. And I didn't say a whole lot. And I'd probably, this was not like some masterstroke of genius that I was that I was providing for her. It was just I just kind of was dumbfounded on what to say. It was really one of the first times I'd ever have a parent voice frustration with me. And so I just let her go. Just tell me whatever it was that she wanted. And in the end I said, well, I just want you to know that I'm trying to get your daughter as much playing time as I can, but I have a lot of players and I just want to be fair to everybody. And I'm, I hear what you're saying. And you know what happened? She was okay with it. That's not great. She still wanted her daughter to, to start. She still wanted her to get all the playing time she possibly could. But she was okay with it because I think she realized that I paused to listen. So bringing that back to your classroom, that's a long route to get back to where, we, where I was starting about cleaning out your ears. Sometimes, as long as it's not disrespectful... If parents want to voice some frustrations, it is tough to just sit back and listen. But sometimes if we can be understanding of where they're coming from, it might help form a, a better bond. 
you listen to where they're at, you're going to get a better understanding of the, the student. You get a better understanding where they come from. It's going to help you moving forward with that parent. And the most important thing about building that, that uh, relationship with the parent is that it's going to help build the relationship with the student. And that's where we're all trying to get. Go team! Build a team. Parents, school, student, collectively working together could be a beautiful thing. And it starts with you being willing to listen, but like Ryan Scott was telling you, if you can share a little bit of yourself with parents so they know you're a person, just like you do in the classroom with students, I think it will go a long way to helping you help them relate to you and build that relationship. And if, if that's the case and you can build that connection between home and school, it's definitely going to be for the benefit of the student. Before we jet off, I do want to remind you, if you're interested, especially for those of you who are new, if you're interested in helping us spread the recharge word where we're just trying to get recharged and stay jacked up for kids during really challenging times, you can help us out in just a couple ways. You can connect with us at Exhaust Educator and then subscribe wherever you listen or if you're watching this on YouTube. We'd appreciate it. You could also just share it with your friends, share anything that's out on social media that we have or by, you know, by mouth. Whatever you can do, we'd certainly appreciate it. doesn't cost you anything, though. So thank you again for dropping by. I'll leave you with this. Helping's hard, so take care of yourself so you can take care of them. Thanks for dropping by. Hope to see you again soon. Have a good one. Party time! It's like sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting educators. Always watching. Last Christmas. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.